you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. We are super excited to be already in season three of the Mormon Mompreneur podcast, and I couldn't be more excited. So this is Sarah. I'm your host for today, and I'm really excited to be sitting across from Lizzie Jensen. So Lizzie, I actually know her as Liza because I made the awesome mistake of calling her the wrong name when I invited her. I don't know if it was a typo or if I just thought she looks like a Liza to me. So if I get her name wrong throughout the podcast experience, forgive me. But Lizzie is a force for good in the world. And that's the most important thing you need to know about her. And she has some really neat projects on the horizon. And if you're someone, if you're a woman who feels like you don't know how to access the spirit and maybe you're you're lacking the courage to act on it, you need to meet Lizzie because this girl has really gone to great lengths to master and to really learn the ability to do this. So I just want to welcome Lizzie. And Lizzie, I just want to start right off the bat with we're happy you're here and we want to know what it is you do. Introduce yourself to our Mormon Mompreneur crew. Sarah, thank you so much. What an honor it is truly that you've asked me to be on this podcast. I love what you guys do. And just for you listeners, I think it's interesting before we started, I just want to mention this, that we started with prayer um, to ask to be able to reach those that need to hear this message today. And that is exactly what's in my heart, that I can say those things that someone needs to hear to be empowered and inspired to live their own mission. So thank you for starting in that way. So I am, where do I start? I am a mother of four. I am the founder of thesmallseed.com, a non-denominational website about faith. And I am, first and foremost, also a disciple of Christ. That's truly how I feel. So I'm also an attorney. I took the bar in the state of New York and am licensed to practice, but have kind of taken a hiatus for that from that at this point to pursue some other projects. And currently working on, you alluded to it a little bit, a project to help women find and live their mission and to empower them and have the courage to do those things that they feel like the Spirit's leading them to do. How's that? Well, I am first in line. First off, when your project is done, I feel like I kind of know what my vision is and stuff, but I'm like, if I could hang out with Lizzie a little bit longer, uh, I want to do that. So the other thing I love is you're introducing yourself. And the first thing you say is that you're a mother, which is great. And then you talk about that you've got kids and then you've got this incredible site called The Small Seed. If you don't know The Small Seed, thesmallseed.com. And then of course, at the very end, you're like, oh, and I'm an attorney. Let's just (laughs) wrap it up. And I think that shows a little bit of your your vision of your own mission. And I think that that's really impressive. So I'm impressed. So let me, I want to talk about the small seed because that is how I discovered you. And I discovered you years ago. And so this is kind of, I'm a little bit starstruck because this has been a great influence in my own life. How did the small seed come about and what is the mission statement of what you do over there? Oh, I love that question. So I had... At the point of my life when I really felt impressed to start the small seed, 
I had just finished law school, had my first baby, and was actually my husband was friends with a guy who was doing publicity for a book, um, The Power of Everyday Missionaries by Clayton Christensen. And so this friend of my husband's called him and said, you know, we want to get about 100 people to read an advanced copy before we publish and just give us some feedback. We don't want it to be in Utah because we really want it to be people who maybe are surrounded by more people outside of our faith. Do you know anyone that's interested? And my husband tells me, and of course, they're like, yes, 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 I would love to be able to read one of those copies. My parents at this time were just leaving um, to go to Australia. My dad was called as mission president. And then my sister was also just leaving as a missionary to serve in Taiwan. So this was a big missionary moment. And actually, all five of my siblings, including myself, had been a missionary as well. So we're a very mission-minded family. But in my heart, to be completely transparent, I was a bit feeling really... I don't know if frustrated is the right word or just a little, I was having a hard time knowing how to become, how to be a missionary now. I feel like a lot of the skills and the training that I had as a missionary weren't as effective and, and seemed a little bit inauthentic without the missionary, the missionary name tag on. So my reasons for reading it were really in hopes that I could learn to be a better missionary whether that means a better neighbor or a better better family member, but how to say things in a way like the Savior would say, and so that people would come and realize this is the Church of Jesus Christ and where they could find greater happiness for them and their family. So I was excited. They told us they wanted us to take notes as we were reading the book. So I cracked the book open, taking notes, and there were two sections, two chapters in the book, one on sharing the gospel at work and one on sharing the gospel online. Now, if you know the author of The Power of Everyday Missionaries, Clayton Christensen, some people say you just can't share, you know, the gospel at work. Like, that's just not appropriate. So he's a Harvard Business School professor. He's worked in some of the top tiers across different demographics. I mean, he's worked in healthcare. He's worked in teaching. He's worked in business. He talks really about the power of innovation and disrupting. And so he's applied that to a bunch of different facets. So if anybody can answer the question, can you share the gospel at work? He can, right? So I'm reading that chapter. And at that time, I had finished my law degree. I was working with a financial services industry who were, it's kind of confusing. They were helping generation one wealth creators who were looking to pass an inheritance to gen two without ruining the kids, right? And like all the stories you hear and see on like all those movies, right? Um, and so I was coming in kind of as a liaison between the attorneys and the financial advisors to help create a structure and experiences to help the kids get the values, not just the valuables from Gen 1, right? That's a whole other podcast, like <laughs> Which season is, four. <laughs> Let's talk oh, about that. So fascinating and so applicable just in parenting um, and in and in business as well. But so a lot of what I was doing, I was living on the opposite coast as the firm I was working with was a lot of stuff online. So I'm thinking already kind of online, sharing the gospel in business. And then I get to the chapter on sharing the gospel online. Again, I'm reading it and I'm just taking notes like, I feel like I need to do this. I feel like I need to. But right as I say that, it was it was all these feelings in my head like, you could never do that. You could never be a blogger. You could never share and it was so strong that it actually caused me to sit back and say, whoa, that's a lot of opposition for something that's not a big deal. And everyone had blogs. Four years ago, everyone had blogs. I had a family blog. Like, So I'm like, that's just really weird that I'm getting so much opposition. And I've come to realize since, like, that's actually a really good sign you're on a good track is when there's a lot of opposition. 
whether it be marriage, whether it be getting married, whether it be having kids or after you've had kids. And I love the talk. I'm sure this has come up in other podcasts, Cast Not Away, Therefore Thy Confidence by Elder Holland, which I'd highly recommend. He talks about that in the scriptures. It happens all the time. Joseph Smith at the first vision, Moses after he saw God, Satan comes in and tries to make you doubt or feel like you're not enough or whatever else. So I'm reading the book and thinking, this is just weird, but I'm going to take the notes and turn them into like this committee that's reading them. You know, no one's probably going to even care because it's really, this is a personal prompting and feeling. So wrap it up, read the book. It's all marked up, becomes this treasure to me. And I kind of think like, I, I need to pursue this. Not really sure where to start, but I'm going to do something. Two days after I submit the notes, this friend of my husband's calls and or emails me. And he says, we have to talk. And I'm like, okay, sure. He says, do you know, do you have a time you can talk on the phone? I say, sure. So he calls and he's at that time working for the Boston Digital Missionary. And he said, you know, we've had about 100 people submit notes. You're one of two that I felt impressed. I have to call back and I have to encourage you and say, I can, I'll do whatever I can to make it happen. But you have to follow what you're being prompted to do right now. And oh, I mean, my word. Yeah. And I'm shaking again as I tell this because it was such a strong prompting. And what was interesting is, and what I had reflected on is it was a stronger prompting than when I felt like I needed to serve a mission. And that I, I just doesn't like, make sense to some people. You think a mission would be the most miraculous event. And yet this was topping that. This was topping that. And so I talked with him, talked through some ideas and I'll just fast forward. An, an interesting aside is, so I started the small seed about nine months later and within the first, I did the numbers. It's been four years now. I think it was within the first six months I counted up the numbers of like page views and unique page views who had seen the small seed. It was more than the 18 months on my mission of the contacts that we were asked to contact daily, right? And so it kind of flipped for me missionary work on its head. And I hope everybody listening can also think through this. Like maybe you didn't have an opportunity to serve a mission and maybe you wanted to, or maybe you never felt it was right. Or maybe you had other things in marriage and motherhood come before you felt like a mission was right that really doesn't mean anything. And like in the, in our day now, you have an opportunity to be a missionary and we have access to more people and numbers. And, and the cool thing about it was it was people that were actually interested who were finding the small seed on my mission. A lot of the contacts were people that were like, see ya, I have no interest. I don't care. It was just me cold, like contacting on the street. So we have, I mean, we just live at a really unique time. So that was I'll tell a little bit more of the story because I think it's maybe interesting. But so then I started, I called the designer, started getting my website up. And about three months later, go in, feel like I'm, you know, it taken us a while to get pregnant with our first daughter. We started trying right after because we thought if it takes us another year or longer, I don't want to have too big of a gap. I'm not getting any younger, right? (laughs) And so I am. was just feeling a little off. It was the holidays. So I went in, I took a pregnancy test, found out we were expecting, which kind of shocked both me and my husband. And then the shock continued as we went in for the ultrasound and found out it was twins. And oh gosh. <laughs> Moment of were- silence. I mean, you see in where Lizzie's at right now. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> and it gets better. They were high risk twins. So the, the chances of them, if we actually getting them to viability at 24 weeks was about 50%. At then 24 weeks, we'd have to go full-time into the hospital to Yale, New Haven, which is about an hour away from here. And I'd need to be on full-time bed rest, not leaving my bed hooked up to two fetal heart rate monitors 
until they were 32 weeks when they felt like they could take a C-section. And he follows that up by, you know, most, a lot of people in your situation would probably elect to abort. Um, this can ruin marriages. It, like it's so much stress on a mother to have to go through something like this. That's on the table. If you want to talk about that now and had this, when he said that a big rush of emotion, like with me, they have a chance with me. They have a chance if they need six months, they have six months. If they, you know, I'll give them whatever they need. Cause I believe that when we're given children, it's, it's of God. So, but in my, the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so what about this blog that I'm like, have already paid a couple hundred dollars to create and get up and like, it just does if we have the twins, how do I have time to sustain, sustain any writing? If we like, it just, it was just kind of the question mark, but I just felt like continue, go ahead. And so I started about a month before I went in the hospital and in the hospital, <laughs> no surprise, God knows all. It was the greatest comfort to me because I had a purpose, right? I had something to do. And so again, in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh God, like, you knew it was for me all along. I didn't even need to reach anybody. I just needed to be have something to do in the hospital. And I, I didn't feel like, I mean, of all things, blogging terrified me the most. I hate putting myself out there. I hate being like on Facebook, look at me, look what I'm doing. I'm not someone that sells stuff. I just don't like that attention um, or self-marketing really and self-promotion. Um, and writing and photography were also something I felt like were just not my strengths. Well, I took a photography class in the hospital. I took a writing class in the hospital and I basically had 24 seven to practice. <laughs> so, so I had those two months and we had the twins and they came and then they were healthy. And also in the meantime, there was a team that came on. I had a handful of girls randomly or not so randomly reach out to me and say, this sounds crazy, but if you ever need help, I would love to help. And so then we build a team. And so then it's able to, you know, so the whole thing was a real, um, in and of itself was a huge blessing to me and I hopefully to others, but this microcosm of how God works and how God calls and trusting in him and seeing, and the thing that I was the most uncomfortable at seeing him come through and have a higher purpose and, you know, strengthen my faith that when you trust his ways are higher and good comes of it for you and for those that you can 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 reach. This is so inspiring. I mean, the thing that really reaches my heart with this is I'm not sure that I would respond the same way that you did through the challenges that you faced with, you know, with your twins and with the timing of um, I have a I have a baby coming and or babies coming and I've been inspired to do this blog and all those kinds of things. And I think maybe some of our listeners would want to ask this because I want to ask you this. What if in those moments of, you know, high risk twins and feeling maybe pushed and inspired to to reach out online and you've been inspired through this wonderful book by Clayton Christensen, what if you feel more alone rather than inspired? What if we're not able to recognize that this is the adversary working against us or rather that this is God providing 24 seven in the hospital for us to do the project we've been inspired. Cause I think sometimes we don't recognize the, the optimistic approach. I don't know if I'd call it the optimistic approach, but how, what if you feel more alone in those moments? What would you tell those women? 
Mm, I'm so glad you asked that question um, because I think that was something I left out that was a huge part right then. Um, As I was writing down the promptings on that little sheet to pass back to the publicity department, what I felt in my heart was you're signing yourself up basically by deciding to do this, you've decided to be a loser. And that might sound funny, (laughs) but nobody was talking about faith online. No, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And so it really, in my heart, I felt like if you decide to be this girl who talks about faith repeatedly, not just I have a testimony one time, I'm going to share it, or here's a little experience. But if if you decide you're going to open up, you are going to have people say, oh, yeah, that's that weird girl who like feels like she always has to talk about a religion. That's that one. Oh, yeah, that's that girl who feels like she always has to talk about her faith or maybe she's trying to push it on people, which has never been my intention But I felt like that's kind of what's probably going to come of this. And I've been shocked because it's been anything but. I think there's been, and not because of the small seed, I think because of how the Spirit is working on women right now and seeing so many other women called at the same time to share this message. If it's, It's been actually, I've made friendships that have been the nearest and dearest to me. I've seen how this message resonates. I've seen that there are other people who do have a fear of following those promptings, who it's given courage to, to do it. It's also become an incredible platform for people who may not be able to share it on a business because it's going to get bought out or they can't because they're owned by someone, a platform to share their story. We have stories of faith section, and we've had some incredible women share very openly, including I know you have Corinne Stokel of Mint Arrow, who's been on um, she shared her story of her Book of Mormon. I think it may have been one of the first times she shared her story so openly, and it was just well received. And Kara Brooks of um, Kara Kilpack of Mascara shared her experiences of, and so it's also become a platform for maybe some of those women who have felt like I'm being driven or I'm being asked, but I don't really have a platform. So, it, I mean, you're feeling alone. Welcome to the club. Send me an email. Like, truly, is that not? And I. I Elder Holland speaks of this. You're in the best company of men and women that have ever lived. If you're feeling alone for standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ and following your mission, you're in the best company of people ever. And I, if, if I can do something to someday go and meet some of those people when we get to the other side, or actually I had a chance to meet Clayton Christensen. I, I made a chance because he was in the same <laughs> ward. I went to the ward in Manhattan. I was totally fangirling and ran up like you have no idea how your how your book has changed my life and whatever. Like if, if those opportunities give me a chance to shake those people's hands one day, it's worth feeling alone. You know, I would rather be in their company than accepted by the masses who probably don't really care, you know? Absolutely. And I think of, you know, Elder Holland talking about that with that you're in the best company. And then I also think how, how when you started the small seed that no one was talking about faith and it was probably premature to Elder Bednar getting up there and saying it's time to flood the earth. And so now we're in such a remarkable time where everyone has some form of platform to get out there. Now, let me just be upfront with you. I think some women feel nervous to do it. And part of it is we always want to be loving and kind and regardless if you've served a mission or not, there's always that, whew, am I, am I going to offend someone? Am I trying to push something on them? You know, that kind of a thing. What if they are simply scared and they don't know how to get started? 
Um, I remember being on, serving as a missionary, served in Croatia, and we had the area president who was from Austria come and speak to us in a zone conference, and he he talked a lot about fear, and he gave the example of Joseph Smith. And before he tried to utter those words, in some accounts it talks about his, I'm trying to remember the exact words, his tongue, his tongue feeling thick. It was hard for him to get the words out. And literally Satan was trying to stop him from saying that and from being a light. And um, I think fear absolutely is a, always a part of trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. At least it is for me. Um, and I think Moses's example is one that I turn to often, that when he focused on the fear, he saw the depths of hell. hell. When he focused on the vision he had just or actually seen God before, the fear went away. Something that's helped me, and, and I will say, I'm four years in <laughs> to sharing and trying to be a light, and I still have I, I still have opportunities to focus on fear all the time, including this morning. What am I going to share? What do I need to put out there? Um, one thing that has been, I'm actually not sure where I heard this, but has been focus on your why, focus on why you're doing it. And that's really helped me from letting that fear go. When I focus on myself, like, how is this going to look? How is this going to be um, accepted? Is this going to be liked or whatever? The fear comes rushing back in. But when I focus on, there's there's a message here that someone needs to hear. Help me purify this message so it can reach those who need it. When I'm looking to, and I think it's the same in person, online, on Instagram, to your neighbor, if it's truly coming out of love and you've removed yourself from the equation, you're really doing it because you want them to have happiness. Doesn't mean it's always gonna be accepted well. I actually opened up a little bit on Instagram and I got some interesting emails back just recently. And it's, I think there's gonna be misunderstandings. I also think this is a little bit of a soapbox. I think we could do a lot better in the church, particularly as women in championing each other and championing that we're each being led to a different mission. What I'm being called to do is not going to be what you're called to do. And I'm grateful because what you're being called to do is feeding me. And I hope that somehow the fruits that I'm gathering can help feed you and my neighbor and my sister and, and my grandma. You know, and I think that's really the beauty of Jesus, of the gospel of Jesus Christ is he's giving us each a role to play that helps each other. And so should we not champion each other in the causes that we're doing? And the minute we start to compare and say, oh, but if, if I were pretty as this girl who's sharing her fashion stuff and sharing in this way, or as I was good of a writer in that way, that's again, I think that's just Satan coming in saying what you have and what God has given you isn't enough and your mission isn't enough. And and those are just lies. Those are just lies. What you have is enough. What God's given you is enough. This is so, so great. And as I'm connecting your thoughts here, we can champion each other better if we are more focused on our why. Absolutely. Because if we're sitting here just constantly me, 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 and how is this looking for me and how am I, all that kind of stuff, that's when jealousy creeps in for me. That's when I look at Instagram numbers and I feel jealous and I'm not going to like or champion. I mean, that's a, that's a real tangible thing that you and I and all of our listeners can start looking at today. Like, how are we championing each other and how can we focus more on the why rather than ourselves? So I am just... My heart is exploding, Lizzie. You are rocking. 
If I can, if I can just add to this, I actually just read a book that I would recommend. And I'm, do you have show notes we could put it on if I'm not remembering sure. the exact title? Um, but it's, it was written, came out in 2012, um, written by Sherry Dew and Virginia Pierce, talking about the four times that Joseph Smith addressed the Relief Society in the early church and the counsel he gave to women. Um, recently, I've really gone back to what was taught then to really help understand, because our role, our, our time period is different. And finding mentors and women who were called to similar things, like I've really turned to those early pioneers. But in those Joseph Smith is very clear. A warning he gives to women is to be careful how we talk about each other and to each other, to each other. And I, I think we can see it very clearly. Again, are we championing each other? And are we there to uplift? And I heard someone recently um, say, when when men come with a group of men and they're doing something cool, all the guys are like, man, that's awesome. I want to be like you. That's great. And then when a guy's like, oh, I just broke up with my girlfriend, everyone's like, Oh, suck it up. Come on, get tough, whatever. Interestingly, when a girl comes in and says, I'm having success, I'm working really hard, things are going well, I taught me, there's kind of the silence. Hmm. Hmm, that's weird. That's interesting. Hmm. Are you neglecting something? Hmm. Like there's, and then when we say, but when we say, oh, I'm having a hard time, we are the first to rally around each other. And I think it's a beautiful thing. We are so good at being charitable when people are hurting. We're so good at suckering up those who are struggling or who are in pain. Like I think as women, we have unique gifts and we do that so beautifully. I think we could do a better job when people are seeing success to amplify each other's, to share what other people are doing, to share the good. I mean, that whole share goodness hashtag that the church has started. Let's share each other's goodness. Let's be excited because I think that's showing that we see that God is doing a mighty work and he's using women to do it. Let's be the first Let's be the first to say, well done, how can I help? And I, I love that you guys do that so well. I think you're doing a great job of that. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. What an incredible just imagery there on on when we're cheering for each other and when we're a little bit silent. And that that's really opened up my soul a little bit. I've got some things to think about <laughs> after this is over, Lizzie. My goodness. So we have many uh, entrepreneurs that listen to our podcast. We also have many non-entrepreneurs. But I'm going to dive a little bit more into the entrepreneur side and ask you about this whole champion each other thing. What are some really specific ways that our entrepreneurs and small business owners can champion you and can champion fellow business owners? What are specific things that they could make as part of their business outreach? Mm, what a great, great question. So I haven't given a lot of thought to this before, so I'm speaking off the fly a little bit, but I think one thing um, I love is authentic sharing of each other. Um, I think there are 
there are tactics and tools that are awesome on social media where there's the follow Friday or you share me, I'll share you. And those things are really great. But there's a few people I follow that I feel like are just authentically doing this. Not, you know, maybe they're trying to build goodwill. I have no idea, but you can feel when it comes across that this isn't an an Instagram tactic. This is truly them just sharing things that they love. Um, Jamie Cook of Wander and Scout, I feel like is someone who's always just like, here's, here's something good I'm loving. Here's a person that connects with me. Oh, I love this quote this person shared. Um, Becky Higgins um, of Becky Higgins. <laughs> she does it also really well where she just shares things, whether they're in, in her Insta stories or up on her thing. Like, I love this quote or here's a video. She recently shared something the small C did this about how we study our scriptures. And it was just a little, little video clip. And she didn't even reach out to say, hey, is it okay? Or hey, I shared this or I did this. It was just up and I noticed it almost a day later because I hadn't been on our small seed account. And so I think that's one thing is just talking and sharing in authentic ways, maybe not as a business tactic, though there's of course nothing wrong with that, um, just sharing. I think also maybe using our platform as, you know, maybe this doesn't apply to everyone. I think you're doing this in a great way, using your platform to give a voice to other people that you think are doing great things. Um, I think if we look at this from the opposite, maybe from the counterfeit of maybe what Satan's trying to do, they're amplifying each other's messages all the time, right? Everyone's having everybody on each other's things and you be on my music video and we do this. And they're all doing the, the same kind of collaborating, but maybe promoting the, the type of voices and the type of messages that don't align with what we think aligns with, the, with marriages and families and God. So let's do the same. Let's collaborate. Let's amplify. Let's use any opportunity we have to, to voice the good. If you're a business voice someone that's doing it in a great way and maybe give priority. Why not give priority to someone where you actually want their message to shine too. Um, and then on the non-entrepreneur role, let's, let's just talk, let's send cards. Let's, I, you can do it just as easily in a comment. Love what you're doing. What a voice for good. Or you're inspiring me. Leave more comments, leave more notes, send more texts. Let's just be active and supporting and I could be better at this. I, I tend to be an introvert by nature, which is why I don't like to promote myself, didn't want to start a blog, didn't want to start an Instagram and make it go public. But I think that that is something I've tried to work on is, is creating more of a community. Um, and it comes from all angles, right? I can do the same thing with people that leave comments on my Instagram or the small seeds and we try to do that, but it's, it's real, it's authentic and it goes both ways neighbors online wherever I think we can do it I think this is such sound advice with the whole idea of being authentic because it will allow our entrepreneurs and our listeners to not have it feel so forced and structured and how will this benefit me because it's really easy to want to share some you know someone's something that has you know 100,000 Instagram followers in hopes that it will bring traffic. But again, if we're focused on the why, and we're in great company of defenders of truth, right, and we keep it authentic, you can kind of you can kind of sleep well at night. And you can cheer on the one that's got 87 followers as much as the one that's got 87,000. So I love your message of being authentic that way. And I'll, I'll just I also think um, I have this little quote taped up on my office on a wall. It says, being sincerely Christ-like is an even more important goal than being authentic. 
and I know I read it somewhere, so I wish I would have written, <laughs> written down what talk it came from, or maybe someone on Instagram shared it. If so, sorry, I'm stealing this. But again, I think if, is, am I being authentic? Is that my message? Are we trying to be like Jesus Christ? If we bring it back to that, and who did he talk to? He talked to the famous, and he talked to the not famous. And why did he talk to them? To bring them happiness, to share joy and share what brings joy with them. He talked to the unpopular, to the people people hated, because they were trying to steal their taxes. He saw the guy up in the tree and said, come down, I want to eat with you today, even though everyone hated him. I mean, that's really what we're doing, because what is our why? What is our why? If my why is to bring people to Jesus Christ, then I don't care about numbers. If I reach the one he wants me to reach today, and I, I have, again, Corinne has talked about this, but in the, in the morning, Corinne in an arrow, she kneels down and she asks, what do you want me to do today? And I started to do the same. What do you want me to do today? And, and, and care then more about the effort you put in to follow those promptings than any outcome. That was my high school basketball coach's famous phrase. We, we worry about the effort, not about the outcome. And I think it's more fulfilling to live that way. Very, very fulfilling. So I, I want to steal something from you. I hope it's okay. You're talking about how Corinne has this routine in the morning, something that you've tried. Are there other little things that you do throughout the day that you feel channel your efforts more in line with what the Lord would have you do that you could share with our listeners? Absolutely. I'll share a couple and still, I'm still working on getting that daily schedule where it's every day I do the same things and I'm a few years into the pursuit and I don't know, I have four kids, five and under, maybe it's just not possible. Or Enough said. They, they know. <laughs> um, but there are some things that maybe little mantras or things that I've used. One, go to the source. Every day, go to the source. I think it's, I think the dialogue we have about building faith and following away is so interesting because we make it sound like, you know, I just lost my testimony. Like I had this coin in my hand and then it got in this place somewhere. Or I see it really similar to growing something or to becoming strong. Um, so for me, I used to run marathons before I had kids. And then I ran one in a half. I've run some half marathons in between. Am I a marathoner right now? Could I go run a marathon right now? Uh, probably not. I'm in shape. I actually love to work out. That's one thing I would say add to my daily thing. But I'm not in 26.2 mile shape. Does that mean that it wasn't right or a marathon? Like I didn't, I wasn't in shape then or I wasn't strong then. No, it just means I'm not putting in the work to have that same strength. Spiritually, exact same thing for me. If you want to be spiritually strong, you have to do a spiritual workout every single day. And then when something's really hard, guess what? You're strong and you're approaching it from a place of strength, whether it's a question you have or someone needs to lean on you or you're going through a trial. Or for me, the hardest times, frankly, are when I'm, I'm being a mom and nobody really cares and the loneliness of motherhood. That's when the strength really is as helpful as anything is when I'm not in the hospital on bed rest or I'm not, you know, going through a difficult pregnancy or I, whatever it is. And nobody's really praying for me. Nobody really cares. Those times that matters too. So think about yourself like the vine, right? Every day you got to be watered. Every day you need sunshine or you're going to start withering away. And it's not because the gospel's not true. It's because you don't have any, you're just not tapping into it, right? 
So little tangent there. That's one thing. Every day, go to the source. Lots of ways to do it. Lots of ways to do it. I prefer on my best days, like a great workout day. It's an intentional 30 minutes or whatever I can do where I sit down, I kneel down and I talk to Heavenly Father. I thank him for the opportunity to pray, express what's in my heart, the pains, the sorrows where I'm feeling misunderstood, then the things I'm excited about where I need some more courage. And then I open up a journal, I jot a few lines and I'm not perfect at this. Nobody (laughs) take this away that I do this every day. I try. And then I open up my Book of Mormon and, and I read and then I write down any answers I feel. The days that are tricky, I will say I always start my day with the Book of Mormon listening to a chapter and I make myself listen to a chapter in the Book of Mormon before I open my social media. Why am I going to the world to look to their approval if I had any likes over the night or if someone commented um, before I go to God and say, how do you feel about me? What do you want me to do today? Um, That has been huge. Even if I'm not as fully engaged in this study, just listening to that chapter puts me in the right mindset. So then studying it sometime and then podcasts have become huge for me. Um, I, I think we used to live in a world where you had like neighbors and you raised your kids together. Um, I don't usually long to go back to like the pioneer days, but in that sense, I really wish I could just be with women and raise kids and sit there and, you know, hold the field together or pick the fruit and do that together and hear women that inspire me and are focused on good things. I've now replaced, I feel like I found that in podcasts or a few close friends on the phone. Um, so podcasts have been huge and trying to listen to this, some of those. Exercising for me is massive. Um, if I don't exercise, I'm a little loony. <laughs> I don't know why. It just keeps my emotions in check. And again, some days it's a really awesome workout, like my awesome scripture study. Some days it's a little bit less, but it's still, it keeps me a little more in check. Um, but one acronym that I'll say that this is, over the last month has really helped me focus. Um, I found that I read this in Essentialism by um, Greg McEwen. He talks about what's important now with the acronym WIN. And he talks about it as kind of a broader strategy. Are you doing daily what's important now? But I started doing it minute by minute. So when I'm working out what's important now, it's getting a crazy good workout. That's what I want. So I'm sore after, and I can do, I have a friend, Allie, out here who does the the high fitness. Um, I went the first time, I got crazy sore. I went back the second time, and I didn't really get that sore, and I was like, that's weird. I couldn't have adjusted to the workout that quickly, but I realized what's important now was for me to really focus on the workout. So I was getting lower in my squats. I was really reaching. I was, you know, whatever, what they say, like, tuck, keep your tummy in, you know, when you're, like, listening to the, or doing the workout videos. Um, so when I'm working out, what's important now is my workout, hit it hard. When I'm with my kids, what's important now, and this one's hard for me, totally engaged, shutting off that entrepreneur mind that just seems to run and run and run for me. What's important now is for them to know they're loved and to teach, not to entertain my kids, to teach my kids. So focus on that. And the same with being with my husband and when I'm in prayer, I'm not, it's obviously, if I need a little um, acronym, I'm not good at it. It's something I'm working on. But what's important now, that focus, then I get the most out of each moment when I have to focus. So I, I, I don't know. Those are a few things throughout my day that really have helped me and probably have a lot to learn and do more there. Those are, that's a fantastic thing. And for anyone that didn't put it together, she said the acronym is WIN, what's important now. And so that's something that we can constantly be thinking about. And one of the things that really 
captured my heart there was when you've you've talked about your experiences um, as a mom when it is sheer loneliness sheer loneliness and often especially for entrepreneurs or or those who have uh, been in positions in which there is a lot of award and recognition and in the paper or whatever it may be people telling you how you're doing that doesn't apply to motherhood the only one that probably is cheering us on uh, minute by minute is the Lord and yet those those feelings can feel very, very lonely. And I remember my sister saying that motherhood can often feel like the busiest kind of boredom out there. And that cracks me up because that's really what it is, is um, a little bit of busyness and, and sometimes loneliness. Many of our listeners are there. They are there right now. And what if they feel like their life is a little bit blah and they're ready to, to start focusing more on what's important now? Where do they start? On their knees. That's where we always start, right? <laughs> you start on your knees and you take it to God. And you and and I had my I've been working with this with my girls. They come up and they run up to me and they say, "Oh, my my sister did this," or "Oh," and they just kind of come and complain to me. And I started asking them, "I want when you come up to me, you ask me." I'm I'm here to listen always. If you want a shoulder to cry on, absolutely. That's a role I love as a mother. But I've had this little epiphany that I think that might be how God's feeling. And maybe that's why he's teaching me this as a mother, that I come to him and whine or complain or say, I just am not getting this or, oh, I just don't know how to do this. And instead of saying, and I actually listened to a podcast, The Allison Show, and she talked about this, ask the universe what you want. And I, I realized instead of complaining or telling him about how things are, Go to him like the brother of Jared and say, this is what I need. There are times you don't know what you need and you just need to express your feelings because you're not even far enough to say, this is what I need. You're just saying, I hurt and I'm lonely. Can you help me not be lonely? Help me know what I can do so that I'm not lonely anymore. And there's a lot of things he may say, meet your neighbor, dig in and teach your kids more and it won't be boring. It'll be exciting. Invigor be into your calling. There may be a thousands of things he says, get a tribe. Here's a community. Reach out to these women. It may not go perfect, but try. Pray for good friends. I mean, there's a host of things he may do. And so maybe you're just saying, I'm feeling lonely. And I love, again, the brother of Jared's example, because there were some things that he just didn't know. And God said, I'll do this for you. There were other things that he then had to say, and my favorite chapter, and I'm going to turn to it because I've just been reading it in Ether 3. I have read some things recently in this chapter that never stuck out with me. So we know like he took the stones, he took the 16 stones and he wanted the Lord to touch them, right? What he actually did is he took one rock and he molten it into 16 stones that were clear as glass. How much work did he do before he went to God? He made him clear as glass. To me, when I'm reading that one thought, and I'm sure that this, there's a lot of thoughts that could come from this is, that's how I need to make myself. I need to refine myself kick out the pride, kick out the feeling like I want to be known or heard or understood, kick out all those selfish things and come as a clear stone. The other thing he did is he then said, the vessel which I have made, I want this light to go into. And for me, I feel like that's that's my work. I'm not going to say it's my business or my family. And me, I don't, I don't delineate. Here's my work. It's my work. 
God has a work for me to do. And at different times, it's to different people, my callings, my family. It's one big work. And I, I wish we could stop the dialogue as I'm a mom or I'm this. Guess what? The pioneers worked. They were in the fields. They were doing, getting the crops. And I think now we're like, oh, are we working or are we moms? Like moms work and women work and women in the church, I think have an, have an ability to work harder <laughs> because they have a vision again, that wife. So I feel like that um, we need to take those stones to God and to say, maybe at the first you're just pray, praying and saying, God, I'm lonely. Help me not be lonely. And then he'll give you the next step. Then you do that next step and you refine it. And then you take it and say, okay, now I've, I've come this far. Maybe it's in your business. And now I'm feeling like I want to do a podcast. I don't know how to get up the curve for podcast. Can you help me X, Y, and Z? Fine. I need the materials. I need to connect with good people. I need to do that. And then guess what? You go listen to podcasts. You reach out to a handful of people. You do work. You see the fruits of that. And you take that. Then you're on the next level. And you say, okay, God, this has happened. Now I need X, Y, and Z. So you start and you end and everywhere in between, you're on your knees. That's what I think. And God has the vision that's so much different than men's. And you're going to be inspired to do things, perhaps even on Instagram, that seems like everybody's figured it out that maybe no one's ever done before. Or maybe you'll create a whole new medium that's not podcasting, that's something completely new. Who knows? I wouldn't doubt it because I think God's God's work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men. If you're committed to doing his work, who knows what he has in store to open up, but start on your knees, start with, with a question, or if you don't have a question yet, start expressing where you are and where you want to be. And promise you good things are coming if you if you go to him and you're in great company while you're doing that you are in great company and that has just sunk so deep into my soul um, as you've said that and I love your advice because I just I feel like you and I are on the same page that God can do so much with us that we're not meant to sit and be lonely all the time, even though those moments come, but that he just really can create extraordinary things. And you and I were talking before we even recorded about the crazy, amazing time that we are a part of, that we are able to be moms. And yet I'm able to sit across from you and, and bring your message out to our listeners. You live in Connecticut, you are across the country. And what an extraordinary thing that um, I can be in the same digital space as you to learn from you and to grow from you. I just, my heart's exploding. It's just mm-hmm. so wonderful. And if I, if I can add to that, you, I, I think what's really incredible is you will have, if you're pursuing God's way, you will have those moments of incredible loneliness. I think that's supposed to be, cause that's partly the price you pay. Um, I, another podcast I was listening to said what leadership is, is having the courage to go first to pave the way for those behind you. And so it does feel a little lonely, um, but I will add to that, that there will also be some amazing compensating blessings because the Lord will bring you to other people who are, do- who are doing what you're doing and will provide you with rich friendships better than you've ever had. I feel like when there are amazing, particularly I'll say this because this is the audience, women right now who are daring to do crazy things and hard things and be lonely leaders and when you step into that space, 
with time, he's going to put you in contact if your desires are pure with other women doing it. And you will have some of the most enriching and rewarding friendships that you have ever had. Um, and I will I'll also say this. I, do I have time to share a story? We, so I'll also say this. Um, about, I don't know, six months ago, the first temple in Connecticut was dedicated. And Elder Holland and Elder Irene came into the dedication. And, oh, I'm getting a little emotional. This is kind of a personal story. Um, there were three different sessions. My husband went early, so we had to switch off, obviously. And I went to the last session, and I was so glad that I went to that one because Elder Holland and Elder Irene both got a little bit personal. They said, we're going to kind of set our remarks down. We've done the same remarks through each three, not the not the dedicatory blessing, but their their remarks. And they said, we, we want to be a little bit personal because we have our mentors in the audience. So they had both gone to Harvard. And while at Harvard, they said, both of us, we thought we were going for this educational experience and realized we were actually going I mean, obviously, their educational experience has blessed the world in, so, in the world in so many ways. But we realized we also were going for a um, a spiritual tutoring to understand how to be leaders. And they were called, you know, to callings where they traveled, and they had their mentors in the audience there. These ninety-year-old white-haired men who had either been in branch presidencies or um, I'm not sure. I can't remember the callings they talked about, but they talked about what a blessing that was, and. I'm writing notes, and in my heart was kind of some sadness. <laughs> Honestly, I, I was, I was happy, and I, I understood what they were saying. But I came home, and I got down on my knees, and I said, "Heavenly Father, where are my mentors? This is so lonely, and um, why don't I have someone like that?" And I'm in a calling out here in a state calling, and I'm doing the small seed, and I'm a mom of these young kids, and I don't have parents around. And I don't have aunts and uncles around, and I don't have people that take my kids. And I, frankly, it is, it, I, I just was feeling that loneliness so intensely. And I just heard, I don't heard, felt whatever that voice is, the sweetest voice, and and feeling in my heart, maybe more clearly than I've heard it in, a, in my life, have I not been your mentor? Am I not your mentor? And I just immediately felt this gratitude, like, what an honor, what an honor. You know, I'm not doing it perfectly. There's still a lot of fear. A lot of this is scary for me. To this day, a lot of this is scary for me. And speaking out about things. I know you guys talked about this. I just listened to your first podcast yesterday. Um, it's scary to speak out for something, anything other than motherhood. It feels like you're a heretic. And then, the, but the Spirit's telling me, you need to share your voice. You need to speak out. And But to then, to feel like, but what an honor, God, if that means you get to be the one tutoring me and mentoring me, the loneliness is in every way worth it. Since that time, I heard a story of two women who have actually been feeling the same, and I can't remember which one said it or I'd say their names, but um, actually, I heard this story from someone else talking about Sarah Jane. Of, um, I think she's Sarah Jane. She's an illustrator, and she's online, and had some similar feelings like, where where are my mentors? Who can I look to? I feel like I'm being asked to do things that have never been done and I don't know where to look. And she had the prompting, look beside you. And I think that combination of look to those women and you know, talking to you today, I feel that same kinship, those women who are being called to something similar and then look to God as your mentor. I am, I, and then look to your pioneer sisters who were doing the same work. You, 
There's a book called At the Pulpit that talks about all of those first discourses of women. The book from Joseph Smith that I talked about earlier by Sherry Dew and Virginia Pierce. Those Virginia Pierce and Sherry Dew, they have felt, I feel like, something very similar and talk about this. We do have mentors, but we have wonderful women at our side need to champion each other, reach out. If you're feeling lonely, shoot me an email. I'll open my inbox to you. I can't promise I'll respond the same day or the same week, but I'll make it a priority because there's, there is something going on. Social media is not by accident and it wasn't created to just sell and be commercial. It wasn't, not that those are bad things, but I have a whole sheet and maybe I'll send this to you and you can share this, a whole sheet of prophecies of social media that it was created, I mean, back in Brigham Young's time and President Hinckley right before the internet com- came out talking about a tool that will make you feel like the prophets are sitting in your living room. What else could that be? Face to face. Face right? to face. Face. I mean, even think of face to face. Yes, face to face sitting in your living room, sitting with, you know, your phone in your hand watching general conference. So we do live in an interesting time. Absolutely. Elder Nelson's a plea to my sister's there was a shift in the dialogue to women that called, I feel like, many women to different works. And if you're feeling that call, follow it. And let me be clear that that doesn't mean that you go out and you feel like you, I have to do what Lizzie's saying or I have to do what Sarah's saying or any of the other women I mentioned in this podcast. Start on your knees, ask God. And if he says, go to your neighbor, be excited for the good to come because whatever he's inspiring you to it's going to be wonderful and full of joy and exciting and there's no better and there's no worse and there's no higher and there's no lower. Do the work God has for you. You be a Bendai or you be Alma or you be Paul or you, you know, there's a whole host of those men in the scriptures and women in the scriptures, Abish, who sat on what she knew until she knew it was time and converted the king and everybody else in the, the whole kingdom, you know. So I, I'm going to share one more thing that's come to me many times. I feel like God inspires us with a what, go start a blog. And when we hear the what, we assume a why. Oh, well, if I'm starting a blog, it must be because, you know, a whole bunch of people need to hear it. And then that why usually doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. It's like, okay, now maybe, I, and, then, and then we start to doubt. Okay, that was a failure, or I wasn't really called, or I don't really know how to receive revelation. And do you know what I think it usually is? You just assumed a why that wasn't there. That's not why God wanted you to do it. He did inspire the what, and if you did it, you feel good, and you just give it some time and you'll see the fruit. You'll realize, you know what, I need to start a blog because I need to become a good writer because the church was gonna ask me to do an article. Or I needed to keep a journal and starting a blog inspired two generations later, my family. Or I needed to do family history work and that's the reason, you know, I don't, don't confuse the why you were called for what you were called to do. Just do it. Just do the what. And, and then the why starts coming and you're like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now it makes sense. And how good God is that he would inspire the what. I think he holds with, I don't know, this is me assuming. I think he withholds the why because it has to be an act of faith so he can bless you generously when you do it with all the fruits. So don't spend too many too many moments questioning. I know it's scary. Call someone for encouragement and maybe bounce off. Was this really a what? Was this really inspired? Is this in line with what the prophets are teaching? Is this something good? And and then go do it. Don't care if it fails or succeeds because if you did it, that's success. That's for me success. 
Because we don't worry about the outcome. We worry about the effort. That's what we focus on. Lizzie, you are unstoppable. I just feel so enriched. And some of my takeaways are to always start on your knees. Like, go figure, right? I just, I'm like, why am I not grasping that concept sometimes? But we start on our knees and that we are not alone, that we are in the greatest company. Um, That has really reached my heart. And to simply get involved and to act on the things that we are asked to do and then to just wait for the fruit to just be patient and be excited to learn about the Lord's why in our lives. So I am just so enriched. If if I am the only one that hears this podcast, you still have done a marvelous <laughs> work because I am so inspired. So thank you so much for taking the time with us to share your incredible wisdom. And we are going to be better champions of each other. We're going to get your message out there and are so grateful for your amazing spirit. So thank you so much for joining us. I feel the same about you and just grateful for women who are are doing the same and who I can count as my mentors and my friends. So it's really an honor, an honor to talk to you today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.